for coming to the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network. Right now the Comic-Con panel here. Of course, who do we have sitting over here? Miss Krishan herself. It's so awesome being here with you. Thank you. Of course, our man James. It, one of the things we love to do on the podcast, we love to have an opening on each episode. And this is the man, the voice himself. Hey, guys. Read <laughs> it off for us, James. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. We have uh, Star Wars' own Barris Ophi Nalini Krishan joining us. We're very happy that she could be here. Uh, a little bit of a question and answer session at the first ever White Mountain Comic Con. Hopefully there will be many more to follow in the years to come. So thank you guys very much for joining us. Absolutely. I'm Robin Bowen from the Brick City Blockade Star Wars Podcast. And I'm Sean Michaud from the other half of the Brick City Blockade. And we have Brian Fontaine there. He's over there taking pictures, sharing all the awesome Star Wars-ness. I guess if you can make that word. Um, <laughs> that's happening here at White Mountain Comic Con. Now, first question I have to ask you. The Star Wars community is forever expanding, yeah. and it is amazing how just in such a short amount of time with all these new movies and everything, it has expanded. What, is your, what are your thoughts on that? Just the fandom coming back to itself once again, now with these, just the forever expanding universe once again. I don't know really how to answer that question, <laughs> because, I mean, there's nothing quite like it, is there? There's never been a film that spans decade after decade after decade that has generation after generation after generation of facts. So I think that the, the, the fact that this is such a legacy um, is quite a surprise. Um, and I think that it's, uh, I think that Disney has really like hit the jackpot yeah. buying Star Wars, um, the franchise. Yeah. And um, I think it's just really good to see that I'm actually part of something that is so humongous around the whole world, you know? Um, and the fact that, you know, it doesn't stop. I mean, every time something comes out, we get more fans, kids are more engrossed, you know? Uh, something new always happens with Star Wars, so I think that it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's just mind-blowing actually that people are still engaged. Like how many years? Almost forty years later. Yeah. You know? And maybe forty more. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Star Wars could be longer than 40 that. Years. <laughs> could be like a, you know, like a century for all we know. You know? Yeah. Well, maybe a lot more answers coming. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's absolutely amazing just to see. I mean, fans here alone that are so engulfed in this universe and become part of it once again. Yeah. It's just so awesome. Oh, yeah. What got you into becoming an actress alone? I know everybody has their own little story. Yeah, mine's kind of like a unique story. So my mother allowed me to watch horror films as a child, and uh, <laughs> was, I was really obsessed with The Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm a big fan of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah Freddy Krueger was my favorite, and um, I used to watch these scenes where he'd be like dragging out these dead bodies in high school and all this crazy stuff that a child should not watch. Um, and I'd watch Evil Dead and love for it and exorcist and you name it and I was obsessed with horror I mean now I don't really like watching all that gore I don't think I can take it as an adult but as a child it was like this most fascinating thing so I um, would take these scenes and then I'd go to school primary school we call it primary school in Australia I don't know what they call it here like middle school performance school junior high school and uh, and I would actually act out these scenes like as a you know like a 10 11 year old with my friends and then we became very famous in high school for like playing Freddy Krueger so it was really ridiculous so I actually yeah in primary school we became famous so in our lunch and recesses I'd act out all these scenes and so I didn't realize at that time 
that I had a fascination with acting. I actually just would like, would be like, you know what? This is such an awesome thing. We have to reenact it, and then we would make up our own kind of like, you know, um, like our own scenes and like scripts about how this would actually happen. Um, and then that it kind of grew from that. And um, you know, then I became um, very engrossed in it, and I joined an agency, and it really just grew from there. Um, but it all started with Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Interesting that Barris of B was inspired by Freddy Krueger. Yes. I, I think that, that's, that's kind of interesting. Bizarre, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes sense when you think yeah. about it, you know? <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, so what was it like uh, filming like The Attack of Clones, like your first day? What was it like? Um, well, it was such an early start, like 5 a.m. in the morning, we had to be there. And um, I just honestly, I mean, I would already had a fitting for, so I knew what my character looked like. I knew that they fitted me for the costume. What I didn't know was how long it was going to take for me to actually, you know, to be fitted. It took me about five to six hours of painting my skin and putting my hair in this like swimming cap, hand painting of diamonds. I drew my own contacts, I threw contacts in the film. Um, but the whole process and watching that was quite fascinating. But even before then, I had practiced my makeup. You know, they had already applied it to test it, so I already knew what was coming. So on the day, it wasn't like I was not um, prepared or there was nothing unexpected. I, I kind of knew what to expect in terms of the costume. Um, but I was, I was like equally fearful uh, and also super excited. Like there was that anticipation of, oh my goodness, I'm going to meet George Lucas, you know, and I'm going to be on set in a moment. And it was just, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, it wasn't as maybe overwhelming as I thought it was going to be. Um, but when I got there and we got on set and I was in character and then the, the lights went on and camera and action, then we were like straight into it and it was just like, I don't know how, it was so surreal, I can't. You're like in the moment. You're in the moment, right? I mean, look, on, on you know, sets, you're always going to be waiting around for most of it, and then you're going to be doing a bit of filming. So, a lot of that happened, and the whole process was fun, because I didn't even know that I was going to start having these, like, long conversations with Samuel Jackson, and, like, meeting all these other actors, like Natalie Portman and Armand Best, and, you know, so, in my mind's eye, did I ever think that my life was going to change when I was doing this? No, but... I guess I just thought I was just going to get out there and have a bit of fun. And because I was so young that when I did it, I wasn't thinking too much of what it was like. I was just in the moment, you know, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah, just like, you know what, just get out there and have fun. You know, you're like on the Star Wars set, you know. I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very curious, though, because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even know who I was playing. I didn't know my character or anything like that. So, yeah. What was it like meeting George Lucas? Oh, he's so nice. He's the nicest, one of the nicest men you've ever met. You will not meet a nicer director. He's short, like he's shorter than me, and uh, like he was very calm, collected when he spoke. He was so calm that you kind of like you're up here, you sort of come down to his level because he's so calm. It was just really, it was like if you he could put you to bed. <laughs> he was so calm, you know, and um, that he was so. Sweet, but it was so funny because his daughter was on set and his daughter was so hyperactive, so like bubbly and out there. I thought, but he's this white man, really like loud daughter. How does that work, you know? Um, but no, he was actually he was he was super nice, super professional, um, and super sweet. 
Yeah. That's what we call him on the podcast all the time, Uncle George, because he, he is like your uncle. I mean, yeah. He's just so down to earth, it seems yeah. like. And he just wants to communicate with you. He just yeah. wants to create this universe yeah. within everyone. Yeah. It's so awesome. Exactly. And he's an advocate for people. Like, I, I believe that, you know, he'll work with people that are professional and treat people right, you know, and, and he does. And he seems to be very sort of selfless. And like he had this idea, and it's become this great thing. And then he did more films because you know it was for the fans. And you know, like I think that there couldn't have been a better director than George Lucas. And this is his idea. And uh, so yeah, I just I have so much respect and admiration for him. Absolutely. Um, every Star Wars character has kind of like an iconic like catchphrase or a line or anything. If you had to pick one for Barra Sophie, uh, what would you choose? You see, I'm constantly writing May the Force be with you, you know. Um, but I have I have a new one, which is Barris is always right. That's my catchphrase. <laughs> Barris is always right. So I've seen t-shirts, I'm actually about to order a t-shirt that says Barris is always right. So that's my catchphrase. Yeah, definitely. I want that on. It's got to be your yeah. face there. Like, out of right, yeah. <laughs> Barris is always right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to skip ahead a question here because you did you did touch on it a second. It was uh, Mace Windu is kind of like a, fa a favorite of our of our mm -hmm. podcast and everything, mm -hmm. and obviously across the entire Star Wars uh, fan base. Everybody loves Samuel L. Jackson. Um, his choice of purple lightsaber, everything else. Uh, your relationship with Samuel L. Jackson, what was it like on set, off set, and uh, what kind of like knowledge did he pass on to you about acting craft and being a Jedi? Um, I think at one point on set, I remember him telling me to be a bit more focused. So I think that I was just super excited and, and there was a scene and I wasn't focused. And then he said, okay, you just need to focus a bit more. And I'll always remember that because, you know, I guess when you're just standing there in a scene and you're not really talking, you can still say so much just by not being in the moment. And I wasn't being in the moment and he imparted that on me to be in the moment. So that was a great thing that I learned from him. Um, but we, we didn't really talk too much about acting and, and you know, things like that. I mean, the first thing he said when I met him was, you know, he asked me what my name was, because what kind of name is that? I mean, where's that name from? You know? And then we had this conversation about what my name means. Um, so, you know, he was just straight into it, like, you know, it was just very kind of trying to, you know, get to know who you are and, you know, your name and takes a vested interest in you. That's the kind of personality he has. And, um, you know, I mean, I didn't expect two things happen. So I asked him to recite this scene from Pulp Fiction at the end, challenging <laughs> on swine, and I thought that, oh, he won't remember. He remembered every single line. And he reenacted that for me, yeah. I thought that was impressive. That was really impressive. Was he in his base window costume when he was recited? Yes. <laughs> that, that. Wow. And um, my, the, the girl that played my um, my master in the film, Illuminary Dooley, she actually had a party. And I didn't go that night, but we invited Samuel Jackson, and he actually came. So the Part fact that he did that, yeah, I thought that was like super mellow. Like the fact that he, you know, he wasn't too big to just go to a, a party that he was invited to in Sydney. You know, I thought that was pretty impressive and showed how down to earth he was. So that's kind of my experience with him. It was a very small experience, but he left a lasting impression. 
and that's that must have been great just to even have that small moment oh, just yeah. within your time, just yeah. just to reflect on it, you know, and yeah. just to be just to have that time. Well, just also because then it helps me to understand what it is to be an actor in his position and, and to to model after. He's a great model, a role model because of that. So yeah, he was awesome. Loved loved working with him. He was great. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great, great, I mean, he's, he's been part of many icons and everything, and again, like James said, he's one of our favorites on the podcast and everything. Now, let's say you were sitting down with George Lucas at Pinewood, and he came up to you and he said, you know what, I think, in perspective, if you were to play another person in the Star Wars universe, who would that person be? And maybe I'll offer you a job as that person. Who would that person be? Thank you, Harley. There was one person I was going to say, and I thought, I like my character, though. I like the fact that she's a very, she's a female Jedi. There isn't many of them. But I have to say Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Darth Vader. I mean, you know, when I watched him first on TV, I was so in awe of this person. And I didn't know anything about this person except for that he was behind this mask. And I just was dying to know what he looked like underneath, you know. Who is this? Who is this? Beast of a man, so you know. <laughs> um, but I would say definitely Darth Vader. I, I think you yeah. as Darth Vader would scare me <laughs> more than, than James Earl Jones, <laughs> or even Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen isn't Darth Vader. He's he's a whiny schoolboy. <laughs> Darth Vader. Still technically Darth Vader though. <laughs> Now, one of the other things is that outside of the Star Wars universe, you've worked on some Bollywood projects and some other things as well. And I was just going through IMDb and everything that you've been working on. There's some pretty cool projects in there that you've been yeah. doing. Just gonna give like the Star Wars fans some some perspective on what it's like to work on a Bollywood set. And just is it similar to Star Wars? In that so Bollywood is very different. Typically, the movies will go for about three hours, and there'll be an intermission in between because some people can't focus for that long on a film, believe it or not. Um, and um, there's always it's always a musical, so there's always music and dancing and songs. Yeah. So that's kind of like the the standard of a Bollywood film. And uh, if you don't see that, it's very unusual. Yeah, very unusual. Um, I don't know. It's not probably as organized as you know, like most sets that I've worked on. Um, but the aspects, like when I did, I did a film called Soldier, and there was dancing in that. And I've got to tell you, it's a lot of fun when you have to like loosen up and dance as an actor because you know it's very different from being an actor. Like you're not the super composed as an actor, you're dancing is kind of like being loose and free, you know, in a sense. So that experience is very interesting because I can't, you know, dance to save my life. And uh, <laughs> luckily it was choreography. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, the way um, that the Bollywood films are. You know, I've only been in a couple. Um, they, you know, kind of add, you know, they kind of improvise a lot, you know, on set. You know, they might change things up on set very quickly at the spur of a moment. They might put you in a scene that you weren't meant to be in. You know, things like that kind of happen. But it's still awesome though. I don't think it's maybe as hyped up as, you know, um, you know, as maybe some big Hollywood films, but, you know, I think the experience is still one of the same, like it's an awesome experience. Yeah, I'd love to do some more. 
Yeah, I mean, just the international experience. Mm. Just going to that. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it must just be, and I, I don't know specifically when it came to transitioning. Was it more from Bollywood to Star Wars, or was, was it more Star Wars to Bollywood for you? Um, I would say it was more, well actually, I mean, being raised in Australia, a lot of what I did was really Aussie wood, I don't know what you want to call that, you know, like it's going It's turned out. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't coin that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I was used to doing films there, then I did some Bollywood films, then I did Star Wars. There's no real transition, it was more from Australian films, Australian, you know, work, and then, you know, going to a Hollywood film. Because then start, things started to be filmed in Australia a lot more at the time that you know they were filming Star Wars there. So I don't think there was a transition. I think the transition, to be honest, was more Australian Hollywood to Bollywood because it's so different. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like when watching uh, the Clone Wars animated series, the first one in, in 2004, for your character to become? as a real life. Well, I actually kind of, I really did like how they had portrayed the character. She's very fierce, she's got healing powers, she's defiant, she's loyal. You see all these things come out in the actual Clone Wars, and I like the fact that you build a character from that, which you didn't get to see in the films at all, you know? So it's kind of like super excited that you could actually see, oh, is that what she's like? Oh, that's her personality. So I was excited just for that, but then there was only really a few scenes that she was in. And then they kind of stopped for a bit, and then they kind of, you know, focused on her a lot more later on. But it was just nice to see that, you know, she had some part of the Star Wars universe, you know, that she was important, per se. Yeah, she's a very important character. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Especially you play her, so it's like, yeah. really awesome. Thank you, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And that relationship with Luminar and yeah. everything. Oh, just, yeah. Just that development there is just, it's what Star Wars fans crave. Yeah. yeah. That Jedi to master. Yeah. She's um, supposed to be with your character in the new, the newer one with Ahsoka and how mm. that portrayed Barriss' outcome in the end of this season. It's so different though, isn't it? So different to what happened at the beginning. It's so different yeah. from the film. I'm not even sure what they were thinking when they did that. But I know it upset a lot of fans. <laughs> I had a lot of fans up there. I can't believe you did that. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> did you ever get told that, that Barris Sophie was going to end up uh, turning against, against the Republic? And did it come as a shock to you? Did it anger you at all? <laughs> it was actually a real shock because I was at a convention and someone came up to me because, did you hear? And I said, no. And and he told me, and I, I was in shock. I was like, what? I was just like, no, I don't believe you. And um, so then I went and did my research. And one guy wrote a story, actually. He wrote this, um, this writer wrote a story about Barris. And I could see the depth of emotion in this story about the fact that he felt betrayed, that my character betrayed the order. Like, and like he wrote this story about it, like how he saw Barris in the myths and how he betrayed her. And it, it really affected a lot of fans. I was so shocked at how much it affected fans. Um, but I, I kind of did it London. Sorry, don't worry. No, no, sorry, no. You go ahead. I was just saying I think that they did the character a bit of injustice because I really don't believe that she was... I mean, she did it for a reason, right? But she, you know, I think they made her out to be this terrible woman, terrible Jedi, and we knew that she wasn't. You know, we knew there was always a reason behind what she did, and she always knew what she thought was right, and for the right reasons. But it was portrayed so negatively, yeah. so opposite to what she was trying to, 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 what the outcome was that she wanted. You know? No, it was yeah. shocked to me, but 
to me it, was, it, was, it felt different. It was kind of cool just to see a different character develop so differently. And, mm. and as a shock, it's it's cool to get like shocked from a character that you yeah. love. Like, oh, so this happens. Yeah, I think to be honest, because of the, the because of the fans of Barris, I think that they might have even changed the scripting for that shock character, that shock value. I think they do that all the time on TV shows. So I, mean, they I do think they kind of did that. TV shows. Not, yeah. not as good as like. Your character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I gotta say, it was came out of nowhere, and it was very left field, and I honestly wasn't expecting it at all. Um, but it, it is what it is now, you know. You have to live with that. Yeah, to live out the rest of my life. So. Consult you first. No, absolutely. And one of the other things that. You know, of course, here on the podcast network, we love to do our research. We like to dig into anybody that we interview and just to kind of see what their other inspirations are, things that they're working on. And we found that you were a writer, and that's something that you like to do, kind of like you know, compose some stuff, and um, that's a very cool outlet. Um, yeah, that we just have to see here on the podcast when it comes to people within the Star Wars community. We don't see that a lot. That mm. the actors and actresses go and they find these other interests, or they want to become writers and all this. Now, Ahsoka has taken the Star Wars universe by storm in terms of female characters, and we have Rey, and we have Jyn Erso now. Being a writer yourself, what would be your interest if somebody was to create a Barris and Luminari-type storyline, and you contribute maybe some of your experiences playing this character to that kind of story? I would love that. I would really love to do that because then I think I could make right what's been wrong. <laughs> I think I'd have more of an influence on really depicting and portraying what her character is because I I know her. So, you know, definitely I think that that would be such an awesome experience. I'd love to do that. Absolutely. No, out of curiosity, with with a story like that, and this is just it's not on the sheet. It's just one that that uh, just kind of popped in my head here. Would you rather see a story like a Luminara Barris uh, journey prior to this downfall of Barris Sophie, or would you rather see something afterwards that's kind of her trying to atone for what she's done? I would like to say the latter, but I don't think she needs to atone for what she's done. I think that you know, I think they need to understand why she did what she did, and I think there needs to be you know, um, you know, a script that's written that's possibly a shock value again, but there has to be. Twist. Because it's such yeah. a big twist to why she did what she did, there has to be something underlying reason that we really don't know about. There's like a sense of mystery there, that, and I would like to really write about that. I'd really like them to understand, wow, oh, now we understand why she did what we did. We're totally on her side now, you know? So I, I'd like to sort of uncover a truth and write something really kind of like intricate like that. If you write it, I will read slash watch it. <laughs> We have to make it canon. Yeah. If it yeah. happens, it has yeah. to be canon. Yeah. It has to make sense. Because, again, with the Star Wars universe, everything is, an, is expanding. And just the positive role models for young girls as well, mm -hmm. that Abera Sophia has done, Luminari, and Rey, and Jin. Uh, just, it's been amazing to see that progression. And if you were to offer advice to a young, inspiring female, or young girl who wants to get into acting, what would, what would that piece of advice be? And what direction could you steer them down? I mean, that's a bit of a tough one because the acting industry is a very difficult industry to be in and, you know, it plays with a lot of people's self-esteem, their emotions, their livelihood. Um, so, 
you know, I always say to people, success is a journey, it's not a destination. To get to be, you know, an A-list actor is not success. Um, to have a journey where you enjoy what you're doing and you're doing it because you're passionate about it is actually what you should strive for. That's what I say to people. You should always strive for a ha being happy. Find that happy medium, whether you're doing just theatre or whether you're just writing scripts, whether you're just doing short films, you know, and never making it to the A-list or never making it on a TV show or never making it on anything. You still made it. And you need to understand that the mentality that's out there in Hollywood is quite, which is quite cool is that you're really nothing until you're on the A-list, which is absolutely rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Um, some of the best actors I've ever seen never really get that thing. You know, but their acting's more different than you'll ever see from an A-list actor. You know, so I think that if you are a great actor, you need to strive to be great at your craft and don't worry about anything else. You know, don't worry if you don't make that film. Don't worry if you don't get that, that you know, that commercial. Just if you're just happy and you're able to, to, to you know, skill yourself to a level that you're happy at, then what else can you ask for? You know, what else can you ask for? And also to any actor out there, go and create your own work. Don't wait for the work to come to you. Go and create your own work. Whether that's find a writer and then go and film something. Um, you know, put your creative, get your creative juices flowing. Because if you don't, then you're going to be an actor that just sits there and waits for the phone call. That, that you've got an audition, then you'll be disappointed that you didn't get it, and then you'll go through the cycle of up and down, up and down, and it's really not worth it. I think there's like more originality to to have, you know, if you if you are a bit more involved in being creative and, and being more proactive. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen the TV show OA recently. OA. Yeah, yeah, Netflix. Such a good show. OA, if you haven't seen it, go and see OA. So it's a Netflix original, and the girl that plays the lead in the film actually wrote the, wrote the, um, the, the, the script. And when I read that, I was so blown away because I thought it was such a great show. It was uh, the executive producer uh, was Brad Pitt, you know, as well as many other people. But um, but she wrote this script, and it was so strange. It was such an unusual script, and it was such an unusual TV show. Some people would think it's rubbish, some people would think it's not. I was actually very taken by it. But who cares if it doesn't get the A-list? Who cares that it's only a Netflix original? Who cares if it doesn't get season two? The point is that she, she wrote this script, she pitched it, and she got to make what she believed in. So that's a prime example of what I say to every actor. Go out there and make what you want to happen, but don't just be an actor, do more. Like I'm trying to set up a production company, so I want to make films, that's another aspect of being creative. So that's my advice, and also always do something on a daily basis for your acting. Don't just sit back, just, even if it's watching a TV show to see someone's acting, going for an acting class, going for audition, speaking to your agent, just something on a daily basis to remind you of why you're doing this. That's what we call in the podcast a mic drop. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thank you guys for coming out to the panel. Make sure to check out the Brick City Blockade podcast over on iTunes. Subscribe to our network. And of course, check out everything Delaney is doing across. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes! <laughs> Thank you guys. Also, speaking of excellent shirts, you're wearing one for the right Star Wars movie. Ah! <laughs> 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 Alright, alright, alright.